As Harry stepped forward, whispers suddenly broke out like little hissing fires all over the hall. Potter, did she say? The Harry Potter? The last thing Harry saw before the hat dropped over his eyes was the hall full of people craning to get a good look at him. Next second, he was looking at the black inside of the hat. He waited. Hmm, said a small voice in his ear. Difficult, very difficult. Plenty of courage, I see. Not a bad mind, either. There's talent, oh my goodness, yes, and a nice thirst to prove yourself. Now that's interesting. So where shall I put you? Harry gripped the edges of the stool and thought, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. Not Slytherin, eh, said the small voice. Are you sure? You could be great, you know. It's all here in your head, and Slytherin will help you on the way to greatness. No doubt about that. No? Well, if you're sure, better be Gryffindor. Harry heard the hat shout the last word to the whole hall. He took off the hat and walked shakily toward the Gryffindor table. He was so relieved to have been chosen and not put in Slytherin, he hardly noticed that he was getting the loudest cheer yet. All right, I didn't hate that one. What's up, potheads? Welcome to the restricted section, in which a bunch of nerds with potty mouths reread the Harry Potter series for the umpteenth time and discuss how the story and its themes have stayed with a generation into adulthood. Thank you for listening. If you haven't done the reading, don't worry, we did it for you. Here's what we are talking about today. Chapter 7. The Sorting Hat The doors of Hogwarts finally open, and the first years are greeted by Deputy Headmistress and Resident Bad Bitch Minerva McGonagall. McGonagall leads the first years into an antechamber, where they meet the Hogwarts ghosts before being ushered into the Great Hall for the sorting. Under the eyes of the entire school, Harry is sorted into Gryffindor House, along with Hermione Granger and his new friend Ron Weasley. And finally, after an ominous warning from Dumbledore regarding the third-floor corridor, the new Gryffindors are led to their common room, and Harry goes to sleep in the first real home he's ever known. Hey, everybody. Hey. hey. The quietest greeting. <laughs> Most of our book club is not here today because... They're Avi, smarter than us. That's yeah. smarter They're smarter than, than us. You guys are both Ravenclaws. Yeah. <laughs> um, most of the rest of our club is self-isolating. We are also self-isolating together. Yay! I know that that's not how that works, but I'm a Hufflepuff, so I prioritize friendship over um, general intelligence. Who's here today? Obviously me, Christina, and I also want to know how you guys are feeling. I'm feeling okay. Like, I'm feeling a medium okay today. Like, um, cautiously optimistic, a little bit bored. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Andrew. Uh, I would... I'm just feeling sad. I, uh... I work in a gym, and amid all the corona issues, our owners decided that it is time to close. And a lot of people are very concerned about what they're going to do, how they're going to get their workouts, and things like that. If you don't work out, I know it sounds very silly, but it becomes something that you cling to. It's a coping mechanism. It's something comforting that you do all the time, and they are losing that. 
I'm Haley. Very little has changed. I I mean, there are a lot of like, you know, the millennial jokes going around of like, when you find out that your lifestyle is called self-isolating, like, <laughs> it, it is though. I live alone. I mean... Remember when we said that Haley was a bog witch? I am a bog witch. She's I, a bog witch. Yeah, I've... I've a I've lovely bog witch. <laughs> right? Thank you. The most beautiful bog witch I've ever <laughs> The met. most beautiful of the bog witches. It's not a high bar, but here we are. Um, but yeah, like, I, I, I've got my own place. I'm working from home, which I can do. I'm very lucky. So we're going to do our best... Obviously, that was a really depressing start, but we're going to do our best to make up for all of our fallen soldiers... We miss you guys, but here we are, and it's time to get sorted, right? Yeah. Wait, before we go much further, I'd like to say that tonight I am drinking Coronas. Yo. They happen to be one of my favorite warm weather beers. They also happen to be getting some kind of bad publicity right now. So I'm drinking Coronas. But you are powering through it, and you are drinking a warm weather beer when it is randomly what much colder than it has been. <laughs> I know, it's and like... it a, might be in poor taste, but we're doing it, damn it. We're doing it. I've got that summer feeling, you know? Just like nothing says summertime like being cooped up inside the house not permitted to go outside. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Play! <Hey. Plague. laughs> A uh, quick shout out to Christina. Um, she said, I think explicitly, that she would uh, not be sharing her wine this week um, because she we've got to make shit last right now. And she shared her wine anyway. There we go. <laughs> we clinked those glasses with the rims nowhere near each other. <laughs> God damn it, guys. What did I say? Honestly, we're sitting much too close together. Oh, well. Um, don't fucking touch me and don't touch my cats. <laughs> too late. It's not too Dante's late. a slut. We've all touched him. Dante is a slut. I've started reading books on video during this like remote working phase for um, my work at Brandon Lane Publishers reading kids books on video and Dante makes an entrance in everyone just like he makes an appearance during every podcast episode. So we ready to get sorted? Fuck yeah. So we start with an introduction. My bitch. Minerva McGonagall. Baddest bitch in town. The baddest bitch in town. I thought I was an intelligent person Around book three, when I learned how to pronounce her name real good, you know what I mean? I was like, that's so many syllables, and like, I got it. We almost got to say it with the accent, too. There are certain names that when you say them, you just, you don't want to be the stereotypical dad who likes to pronounce things in their native tongue, or at least native accent, no matter how culturally insensitive it might be. But you turn into that. It's just like, it's impossible not to say McGonagall. Like, you just. Yeah. No, you, you can't, you can't say it with an American accent. You can't do it. <laughs> it just sounds stupid. Yeah. Dear the dignity. McGonagall. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Sorry, we... I'll never bust out the Bama accent again. <laughs> Tell us your favorite things about Alabama. Shout out to Brooke. Oh, we miss you, Brooke. <laughs> oh, man. But I'm glad you're not here because three Ravenclaws versus one Hufflepuff is just not fair. I thought, no, Brooke's a Slytherin. She's a Ravenclaw. Is she? She reads like a Slytherin. She reads so Slytherin. But she's I did a not retain that at all. <laughs> all right, well. Wait, so I guess are you sure? Because that would mean there was four of us that were Ravenclaws. Yes, you guys are all Ravenclaws. It is really... And then both the Marys are Slytherins, and Mike's a Gryffindor. 
Guys, this is why I'm the host. Yes, that's very true. <laughs> no, that's why you're the Hufflepuff. You remember the special details about your friends so well. <laughs> so, like, I'm a Hufflepuff that reads like a Gryffindor, and you're a Ravenclaw that reads like a Gryffindor. But it's about, like, your core. I'm a Ravenclaw that reads like a Ravenclaw. <laughs> yeah. Is your name Rowena Ravenclaw? It is not, unfortunately. <laughs> no, there's, like, a junior in there or something. <laughs> All right, so McGonagall. Can you imagine... Showing up, and especially for the Muggleborns, you show up. It's this magical, amazing thing. You just sailed a boat without touching it in a fleet down this lake, got this amazing first shot of this giant, mag- literally magical castle. You enter this wondrous area, and then you meet, yes, she's a bad bitch, but she is like the sternest, most just composed person. She's basically like my mom's horror stories of her time in Catholic school with the nuns. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like in a, in any other world, McGonagall would be a nun. Yeah, but she's like the one good nun. I love her. Who's like, yes, I will help you find birth control. But like at age 11, like I would be terrified of her. Like she's yeah. a scary oh. person. She's severe and she's tall and and she doesn't take shit. She doesn't take shit. Not for one goddamn second. Mm-hmm. I just love the way she like doesn't mince words. Well, I mean, like, like you see all these memes right now of like people having to homeschool their kids, and they're all like, every teacher deserves to be paid a million dollars a day. What the fuck? And like, McGonagall has to do that, but with magic. Mm. Like, imagine children with magic. Like, children are bad enough. Teacher friends, imagine if your kids had magic. Yeah, your life's not so bad, is it? Exactly. (laughs) We are so grateful. They can't make shit fly. (laughs) I I do have to wonder though. she has this line, I suggest you all smarten yourselves up as much as you can while you're waiting. Do you think that's McGonagall just like throwing in a little joke? Because that seems like if there is a McGonagall joke, that would be a McGonagall joke. Something so complex like, obviously they're not actually going to need to smarten themselves up. They have no resources to smarten themselves up. And I'm going to put them a little on edge. You <laughs> might want to smarten yourselves up. Yeah. Oh my God, my friend- That's how she establishes dominance. <laughs> my friends in college- really loved the pastime of like driving around and finding people who look clueless and screaming freshmen at them <laughs> like really like grotesquely like freshmen like they don't have to be a freshman they would yell at me if they saw me walking well, I'm glad you all grew out of that by the time that I met you <laughs> My I'm pretty sure Drew still does that. My schools were too small for that. <laughs> uh, lots of screaming where I went to school. Anyway, so we leave them in the hallway, um, or wherever they are, the receptacle room. It's like it's like a side room. It's literally described as a side. It's room. a mud room. Yes. Take off your boots. They're You're dirty. all disgusting. <laughs> um, and then the ghosts come in. Yeah. Which, Arguing about peeves. Classic. Of, of yes. course. Once again, I, I just whenever I read this chapter, I always have to read it, or I don't I guess I don't have to, but I always personally read it and try and imagine being me in that situation. You know, mm-hmm. I, I know that's fairly common, but especially with this chapter, you because all you've known is a world where there is no magic. Even at twenty nine, that's all I've known is a world without magic. Oh. And if you took me now, well, not so sad. Without magic, as described in this book, without magical powers. This is the that? man who's gonna we still have the magic of love, Andrew. This is the man who's gonna officiate me and Sean's wedding. So <laughs> you should start your speech with that. I always read this chapter as being like an 11 year old in that situation where you've entered this brand new world of magic. Everything's blowing your mind. Can you imagine the shock 
the first time that you see a ghost. Like, I guess some part of you might expect it, but then to actually see it. And what's weird is it sounds, from the way it's written, I almost wonder if some of the magical people there have never seen a ghost either. Because they're not super common throughout the rest of the of the book. And That's true. it's always struck me as weird, too, how they people are afraid of the Shrieking Shack. Like, if you are used to ghosts, then why would that wig you out? Mm-hmm. There are so, things worse than death. <laughs> like from from the Hogwarts scenes on pretty much like for this book and a little bit the next one like you know how like when you have memories of your childhood home everything looks bigger in your head because you were small yeah. I have the same thing with Hogwarts Aww. in the first couple of that books because I am like first time imagined it I was I imagined like myself there and I was imagining this huge like looming building over me and like looking up in these ghosts drifting through the wall like five feet over my head having an argument about something I don't understand and just being like what the fuck like just everything everything in Hogwarts like looks bigger in my head in this book and that's why I love it so much yeah I think Harry and the other Muggleborns probably don't have any kind of context for like what they should be expecting or not like you find out that magic is real that does not mean ghosts are real right that is Mm -hmm. like not those things don't necessarily go hand in hand it really depends on how much Harry has read from his textbooks by now but I think really getting used to being in the wizarding world and getting used to being at Hogwarts is a lot more about really knowing to expect the unexpected and like just to take things as they come because all the way through the end of book seven, Harry is meeting new shit that he needs explained to him, which thanks Harry because I need explained to me too. And it's just like a part of the world is that you have to be able to take things in stride, starting with the ghosts. Mm-hmm. So what do y'all think of the house ghosts? Uh, reading it this time, I I feel like they serve as a like a caricature of what the house is supposed to represent to really drive it home. Like, I mean, the Bloody Baron, you yeah. know, and like the Fat Friar, yeah. So and then so Nicholas de Mimsy Pulpington, <laughs> yes, he's so proud, right? I love him. What is the technical name for the ra- is it the the maiden the something uh, the, the, the great lady yeah. the great lady. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like, I just, I don't know, like, I would be really interested just to know the history of the ghosts, because, like, did they first, like, manifest in Hogwarts, or, like, did ghosts, like, house hop? Like, like, is a ghost bound to a single place? That's, because they never really addressed that, but... Yeah, Yeah, I've never even seen, like, like, outside content that explained that, but, like... I just wonder when, like, the position of house ghost was created and, like, what responsibilities might come with that position. Well, we know that the Grey Lady is Rona Ravenclaw's daughter. So right. she... She makes sense. She, we know... I, I mean, relative to when the houses were established, we know when she became a ghost. I think you could probably break down, like, you know, like, the way Sir Nicholas talks and, like, the type, the kind of, like, chivalry he's used to. We could probably pinpoint when he died. I'd say Shakespearean. Yeah. 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 No, I, I would say Elizabethan. He's got a rough. But then, like, the Bloody Baron and the Fat Friar, we don't have enough details well, about that. Well, the Bloody them. Baron was, um... The gray lady. He was in love with the gray lady. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know if they were actually the lovers, but he like had had a thing for her, so he would have been the same. Yeah. Okay. Grade. And then like a friar can be from like any time. Pretty really. much. Yeah. yeah. It depends on nothing. Not even your fucking. So like, I guess they're mostly. Clothing. I would say that they're probably mostly medieval, Old, like yeah. from the like from close to the origins oh of my the God. school. What if they were all friends Aww. before? Aww. I know. I want to know now. I know. I'm wait. Isn't there a Hogwarts of History book? 
Not that I've seen. Not official. Okay, so I have Quidditch Through the Ages and... Fantastic Beasts. And Beatles, Beetle the Bard. Beetle the Bard. Those are the three. Yeah. Okay. Okay, great. Oh, man. That's... I, I would have taken a Hogwarts the History book over the Fantastic Beasts movies, honestly. Oh I would have taken a Hogwarts the History class over real world history classes. Yes. <laughs> I've always wondered with the house ghosts, do you think this is something that J.K. Rowling put into the story just for fluff? Or do you think she put it in like, I, I don't know how, but I can use this later. Somehow I can use it if I want to. I've definitely done that, like come up with something and been like, I don't know how this is going to come in handy, but there's no way that it can't not come in handy. Like As a writer. Yeah, like if like fucking Nearly Headless Nick doesn't really contribute a whole lot to the actual plot until book two, but he's vital in book two in like a couple mm-hmm. of different ways. I think that when you create a world as complex as this, you can find a lot of ways for a lot of characters to be really essential. Kind yeah. of the same way that Game of Thrones does. It, it can be, like, unexpected for the author and for the reader, but, like, when they're there, you need them. Yep. But that is to say... Wait, that transition When you need them, they're no, there. No sense. But, like, the Fat Friar and the Bloody Baron don't really come in handy. Well, the Bloody Baron does, because he's the only one that Pe- or that Peeves will listen to. Oh, my God. I miss Peeves from the movie. I know. Oh. I would have paid good money for Peeves to be in the movies. Like, I... I get, I get it. Like, I get why they had to cut certain things. He truly is just like comic relief. Yeah, he's like, well, he's until like the seventh book. Until like, the seventh um, book, but like they cut him comfortably out of the movie, and we didn't even notice. Yeah, really. he's just kind of like Hogwarts, like alter ego almost. Ooh, do you like that? Yes, I do. I just came up with that. But like, you know what I mean? Just like yeah. trickery and nonsense. But like, we're all very dignified here, and like McGonagall's teaching classes and stuff. But Peeves is like. Fucking Hogwarty Hogwarts. Yeah. So the fucking ghosts come in, and also I just love the way the ghosts are so um, like detached. Like they are surprised to see people in there. Like room. oh they're shit, like, it's the first day. Yeah, they're like, who the fuck are you? Yeah, get out of our house. Like they. <laughs> I don't want to be a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then they go away, don't they? Because McGonagall comes back. I think. I think literally the entire purpose of this conversation is for them to introduce the idea of Peeves so that when we meet Peeves later in the chapter, mm. we're not like, what the fuck is this? Like, we have heard the name before. It's a Peeves. And they're right. He's not technically a ghost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then McGonagall comes back. Oh my god, and poor little Harry. Like, little guy. Do you guys, like, feel his anxiety? I, I mean, all of the time. <laughs> Haley feels everyone's anxiety every moment of the day. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> Um, but then he goes into, like, the Great Hall, which to me, as a kid, was, like, the pinnacle of opulence, you know what I mean? Just, like, truly... Like, floating candles, enchanted ceiling, Golden plates. Yes. Like, Andrew, I think you said this earlier today, like, I'd get so fat at Hogwarts, I think we all would. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, yes. Just, like, endless food. Okay, but the food's not there yet, but... Just like, man, that fucking room is so beautiful. They did it so perfectly in the movies. Yeah. And it describes, in the book, though, it describes it so intensely. Because McGonagall leads you out, and then you have to stand and face the students. It's like, present yourselves. Yep. (laughs) For our judgment. Yeah, who could possibly find enough courage to be in Gryffindor under those circumstances? Yeah. Wait, I need to take her collar off. It's very close to the maker. We have a rare uh, appearance here from uh, the other cat, Penny, who's not quite as gregarious as Dante, but is much cuter. Hey. You heard that, Dante? (laughs) Are you mad that I took your food away? 
Are you mad I took your collar away? She says, who am I? I'm naked. <laughs> yeah. Poor Harry. He's just so little. Like, I don't know. I, d- I just envision him as, like, littler than everyone No, else. like, I, I, I mean, yeah. And, like, his robes are probably just, he's, like, swimming in them. Like, I feel like Madame Malkin just, like, pins everything with the expectation that you're going to grow at least three inches that year. Oh, yeah. And, that's like, a good point. Pro- I mean, like, that's what I'd do. Um, and just, like, the faces, like, staring at them, like, hundreds of lanterns through the gloom. Oh, my God. So nerve-wracking. I know. Honestly. As an extrovert who has spent a good deal of time on stage, that's nerve-wracking. <laughs> Maybe they had to try to get a rabbit out of a hat, out of the hat. Oh. Okay, well, I guess I skipped the hat. They bring out the hat. They bring out the hat. <laughs> Spoiler alert, everybody. They bring out the hat. They bring out the it's hat. It's the sorting hat. It's the sorting hat. Um, <laughs> and Harry, like, just, like, why couldn't they just explain it? Because wizards are dicks. Like, they're all dicks. Just like, like, hey, guys, there's nothing to worry about. You're just going to put on this hat. You don't even have to think about Ron it. Ron has six older brothers and none of them saw fit to inform him they're like it's gonna be a surprise he only has five older brothers don't be dramatic okay <laughs> all right there we go i love the way i love just like the weasley family just like pranks passed down from brother to brother yeah how has no one told him <laughs> i wonder if it's one of those things where there's certain things that you will have happening in your life every once in a while where it happens, and you know it's going to happen to the next people, but you just don't... It's not that you, it's a huge surprise, necessarily, but you just want to keep it from a little bit, mm-hmm. just to see that face, because you had you know you made that face, and they made you make that face. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, I'm the kind of person who's like, I already did what you did. Let me tell you all the secrets. I know things. Teachers see, hate her. See, honestly, <laughs> I think that, like, Percy would have, like, if any of the brothers was, like... A blabberous, yeah. then it would have been Percy because I feel like that's what Percy is like yeah, when Percy's it comes to like, secrets. Darling brother, it's nothing. Like, don't be dramatic. Like, but these also, nonsense brothers are lying to you. But also, with Percy being so pompous, I can see him being like, it's a rite of passage. You'll see when you get there. <laughs> or he wasn't listening because he was reading. Also, that. You know, we all must play the buffoon once at Hogwarts, and then we get it out of our system, and then we become truly great scholars. Everybody plays a buffoon sometimes. <laughs> it's the musical hour here on the restricted section. Okay, so the hat sings its song. Yep. It's such a tragedy that we don't hear any more of its songs until, like, book five. Well, that's because Harry just can't fucking get here. Yeah, he, yeah. Has, he has a lot of trouble, that kid. I know. Also, a little bit of foreshadowing, maybe. A little, a little teensy bit. So, we've just got to try the hat on, Ron whispered to Harry. I'll kill Fred. He was going on about wrestling a troll. Yo. Oh, indeed. Something that I really like in the book that doesn't happen in the movies is they go alphabetically through the list of students Mm. so no one feels weird. Yep. (laughs) Super weird the order they choose to go in the movies. I get it. But we could have had a montage. That's all I'm saying. Hannah Abbott, I've always felt like, like I've always identified with her. She's just like some bumbling blonde Hufflepuff. Does kind of nothing. She's a good girl. She's a good girl. She's probably having a good time. Yeah. She stays and fights at the Battle of Hogwarts, right? Yes, she does, yeah. I believe. Aw. You got Hannah it, Abbott. Hannah motherfucking family, Abbott. Doesn't someone in her family, like, die during the war? A lot of like, her entire are, family. Arch thing of Susan Bones. Her whole are, family is... Susan, Susan Bones' entire aunt. family died in the last war, and then her aunt died in the second yeah. war. These okay, nameless yeah. Hufflepuffs. Wait. These famous I mean, Hufflepuffs. <laughs> it's right there. Hannah <laughs> Abbott. <laughs> 
So she gets Hufflepuff. Susan Bones next gets Hufflepuff. Terry Boot, we never hear about you again. Doesn't Terry Boot bagging the boot. Jenny. Terry Boot? Yeah. No, You're that's... Never um, a man named Terry. I'm what? sorry. Someone, someone dated him. You mean dated Jenny? Boot? There's, uh, someone yeah, dated it, no, Terry No, it was... Uh, oh, oh, oh. I thought you said dated Jenny. I was like, no, that's... Uh, what's his that's name? That's our main character, Harry? Yeah, but... No, I no, before... No. Someone else... Dean, no, Thomas, Dean was Thomas dating him for a, was Wait, dating her for a while, shush, and I think... I'm Googling it. Okay. Who dates Terry Boot? Emile Duvain. Um, that he, seems like something cunty that would be, like, written on, like, the girl's bathroom <laughs> stall. Like, who dates Terry Boot? <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> okay. Terry Boot was a British wizard and Ravenclaw student at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. But we know this. Go on. <laughs> he became friends with housemates Michael Corner and Anthony Goldstein. And Michael Corner, I think, does date Den- Jenny. Okay. Not. I don't know if you're confusing he, best friends because they hang out together I don't so know. Much. Um, All Ravenclaws look the same to me. I could say that because I'm a Ravenclaw. <laughs> I was going to say, what? <laughs> In his fifth year, Terry joined Dumbledore's army, so we know he's a good guy. He's either half-blood or pre- they, Why do they even have his signature on this Wikipedia page? The internet is so weird. Okay, so moving moving quite along. Um, Millicent Bluster- Bolster, she comes up later. Justin Flinch Fletchy. He comes Finch up- Fletchley. <laughs> Sometimes I still just really pronounce these things the way my eight-year-old brain had to digest them. Flinch Fletchy. His ancestors I made like arrows. I feel like that's a main, like a mean name that he gets called like on the Quidditch pitch or something. I don't know if he plays Quidditch. Throw, I'm just saying. You throw a cockle at him, but you like catch it. Oh, Flinch Fletchy. <laughs> Fletchy. He, his claim to fame, I'm we're just meeting a lot of people here. His claim to fame is that he gets... Harry in trouble for speaking parcel tongue. Yep, little shit. It's not his fault. I get it. I I wouldn't want a snake being egged on toward me either. Mm-hmm. Then Seamus Finnegan. Seamus. And then Hermione Granger. She almost ran to the stool and jammed the hat eagerly on her head. We talked. You? Yeah. In that moment, wouldn't I? Yeah. I would be so. I, I don't think the nerves would hit me right then. Like I would have the nerves up until the point that they called my name, and it would be like, "It's time." Like Fuck. here we go. It's fucking real now. The beat's about to drop. Exactly. You just up there waiting, ready to go. And then she's obviously a Gryffindor. Um, and then Harry. It's like, okay, th- this is what gives me true anxiety is Harry has that moment of wondering what if the hat just says nothing and they're just like, this has been a terrible mistake. I'm so sorry. You need to go home. That's really anxiety. Like the, yeah, the mark of anxiety is being able to like always think of a worse, worst case scenario. Like, like when your friends try to ask you like, what are you so worried about? What's the worst that can happen? Like, do you want it ca- like alphabetically or by color? Like, <laughs> I've come up with three already and yes. I'm making a fourth one right now based on this conversation being interrupted by something <laughs> trying to kill us. <laughs> I'm that person being like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Yes. <laughs> so we're getting into the good shit, but we are at about halfway. You guys want to take a quick break? Yes. I need a new beer and I have to go potty. Wow, that was a short break. Yep. Are we really ready to get back into it? I mean, we didn't have to, like, take turns for the bathroom. 
Yeah, we all went at the same time. It's easy when there's only three of us. Yeah. Hey, that was some good shooting on my part. That's all I'm going to say. Like, that was cr- like, I just boom. wet my pants. <laughs> Simple and totally satisfying. Simple yet satisfying. Oh, <laughs> uh, speaking of pissing your pants, Harry's really nervous. Oh, damn, yeah. <laughs> Poor um, baby. Now we'll get started in the Gryffindor. After a, like a full minute. I know. Like, I feel like he was having a conversation. Kind of yeah. the same way Harry does, you know? Mm-hmm. I've got a theory, okay? I think that the reason that Neville took so long is not because the hat couldn't make up his mind. Neville's family all went to Hogwarts. I think what happened is Neville knows what Gryffindor is, and the hat says, you're going, I think you need to go in Gryffindor. Some version of that, and Neville denies it. He's like, no, I can't be a Gryffindor. That's really probably spot on. Because if you think about it, one of the big things with Harry is he chose to be in Gryffindor. Like, he said, not Slytherin. And I think that the hat let him make that choice. I think with Neville, Neville was like, no, I can't be. I can't be a Gryffindor. No, no, that's so. so. And, but instead, the hat knew. Like I said, I really believe the hat ne- knows what needs to be done with the person. They can read. It re- can read your mind and know, even not necessarily know what's going to happen to you in the future, but know what you're going to be in know the future. Know what you need for your character. Right. It's seen so many yeah. people that it's been completely inside their mind at age 11, and then it knows what became of them as adults. Yeah. It knows people better than we do. And I think he was like, nah, bro, you're a Gryffindor. It's happening. Trust me, honey. You're a Gryffindor at heart. You don't know it, but you are. Yeah. You'll thank me I think, for this later. I think the hat is kind of like Dumbledore in that it's very trope-savvy. It's like, mm-hmm. I, listen, I, I can see your character development from here. Like, you don't believe it now, but, like, this is going to be a thing. This is going to help you. You're going to be the biggest glow-up the world of witches and wizards has ever fucking seen. You're going to make that sweater vest look amazing. <laughs> and he does. Yeah. Oh, and then he jogs off with the hat. <laughs> That's me. That's a me move. <laughs> uh, um, and then Harry Potter. And obviously everyone's like... Um, it is. It is the real Harry Potter. <laughs> the littlest, idiest, bittiest baby. Um, and then like the whole conversation. I mean, this whole this whole chapter is pretty iconic. Like every moment counts. You know what I yeah. mean? And their conversation is so crucial. And um, there's a really popular fan theory that in order to be in Gryffindor, you have to be brave enough to ask, which totally dashes your Neville theory, but you know. Well, I think Neville totally dashes that theory. (laughs) Like, Harry asks, well, you know, he's like, not Slytherin, which is, I mean, I do want to examine the ways in which Slytherin gets a big old poop in the face throughout this whole series. Yeah. Um, Like, Harry doesn't know anything except for that Malfoy's in Slytherin, and he is like, I don't like that. Yeah, it's hate at first sight, and he's like, I'm not fucking, (laughs) I'm not sleeping in a room with that dude. Fuck that. In our last episode, Mary Payton said that love at first sight is not a thing that 11-year-olds experience, but I think hate at first sight absolutely is. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Hasn't he already heard by now that not a single witch or wizard that has gone bad. Uh, yes, that was a... every single wizard, witch or wizard that went bad was in Slytherin. That just can't be right. I feel like, yeah, I feel like that statistically has to be untrue, but it was Hagrid and he sometimes speaks in hyperbole. Propaganda. Yeah. We have to examine these things from all sides, you know, and the people previously affiliated with the Order of the Phoenix, what are they saying that could be propaganda? There's not a witch or wizard who went bad who wasn't in Slytherin. Propaganda. There's not a witch or wizard that you ever let in 
to the Order of the Phoenix, who was a Slytherin. How about that? Bitch. Not true. Who? Severus Snape. Oh, yeah. Whatever. We'll get there when we get there. <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, you're right, but. He was a Slytherin and he was in the Order. <laughs> I mean, you're completely right, but we'll talk about that later. Um, I would like to point out that uh, it is, I think, confirmed from the language usage here that Quirrell was not wearing the turban in that initial scene and is wearing it now because it said that he's looking very peculiar in a large purple turban. And there's no reason Harry wouldn't have noticed that. Yeah, no, if if he's in a pub wearing a turban, that's, if anything, weirder. Yeah, and then we do have the moment where he looks up at the head table and he gets the stabby, stabby pain. Confirmed. While Snape's staring at him like fuck this small child. <laughs> so I think both of y'all have very uh, very strong feelings about Dumbledore. Do you think Dumbledore told Snape that this was the year that Harry Potter was going to be there? I mean, or Snape do you can think do math. Yeah, math he is can, hard. but I don't think that would I, I don't think that would be something that would be on Snape's radar until it is right the fuck there. It's funny because you ha- I'm constantly forcing myself to separate my modern experience with news from the way that people in books and especially in Harry Potter receive the news because like I can see all of like the bullshit articles floating around Facebook like Harry Potter goes to Hogwarts this year is he afraid you know like exclusive interview blah 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 share 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 buzzword 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 and that's not how things happen then and if the it's not worthy of the daily profit, then mm. people aren't going to know about it unless they think to do the math themselves. I think it would have been worthy of the daily profit if anyone had let them run an article like that, but I think that Dumbledore would have put his foot down about sensationalizing one of his students. That's well, a good point. And even even if they had necessarily thought about doing articles like that, if you went to uh, any person who was alive at the moon landing and 10 years later asked them, how old's Buzz Aldrin? You're probably not going to know. Like, you don't necessarily know. I, I guess it, unless Sydney knew for a fact when Harry was born. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The legend goes that little Harry was only one year old, right? That's not a hard number to remember. And if you're celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the vanquishing of the greatest That's true. villain of the modern age... You know, we all knew when it was the 10-year anniversary of 9-11. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, true. we knew. So, you know, plus one year. No, I think I think, I like, think probably, I think probably every kid in this class, except for the Muggle-borns, like, every wizard-born kid in this class has probably been told, like, you're probably going to be in class with this famous kid that you've heard about, just, just so you know. Snape, I think, for sure knows that Harry's coming. I think that uh, Dumbledore is fully expecting some shit to go down, hence the whole Philosopher's Stone in the basement thing. Um, so, but I think, like, Snape's... I think Snape's reaction is more just based on the fact that Harry does, uh, it's later confirmed, to look exactly like James, and that, he's like, there's like that ghost. fucking son of a bitch. There's that face. Yeah. The because, face I hate. And, like, plus, like, the first time Snape and James ever met was their first day at Hogwarts. So, like, Harry doesn't just look like James. He looks like James the day that he met oh Snape. Oh, my God. Snape's having flashbacks. Yeah, but, Snape's having, like, hardcore flashbacks. But with Lily's eyes. But with Lily's eyes. That's the only eyes. reason he looks yes, at salt all. In the because fucking he wound. knows. Okay. He, he, wants, he looks him in the eye one time, looks away. Snape is at least like, how old is he? 35? He's got to be in his 30s. Okay. Just saying, 
I couldn't see someone's eyes clear across the room. That's true. That's something that I have to bring up to authors sometimes. This is just a shout out for anyone who might be thinking of like writing a fantasy book. Or any um, book. Or any book, really, because I think that I think a lot of modern writing has kind of taken its cues from Harry Potter in this because she is guilty of always being like, they had this type of hair and this type of eyes. Um, it's like one of my few actual complaints about the writing style. Uh, how often do you actually notice people's eyes? How often? How often do you really look at and categorize the color of another person's eyes upon first meeting them? Ask, Consider that in your writing. Ask me what color Sean's eyes are. I was literally just about to do that, and they're brown. Are they? I'm pretty sure. He's gazed deeply into them. No, I just... I, I, I have no fucking idea. I don't know. I, do, I definitely don't know. Sean can I, I don't know either of your eye color. colors off the top of my head. Okay, but my friend Joey, his eyes literally... Look like sunflowers. It's very cool. That's See, true. You just pointed out something. Like, Lily's eyes are described as being incredibly bright green, aren't they? Yeah, they're very distinct. And if they're they are distinctive though. like that, then there would be every reason in the world that Snape, who grew up, like, as friends of this girl, would remember her eyes. Also, we really don't know what kind of a girl Lily was. Like, we really don't. I mean, she's good at charms, right? She was likable. Like, what the fuck else? She could have been the kind of girl who was, like... Oh my god, my eyes are just like so green. Every time I look in the mirror, it's like green eyes. I had a friend in college who always talked about how she had that um, condition where her eyes were two different colors. She didn't have that. (laughs) But she talked about it a lot. (laughs) (laughs) No, this one's a slightly different shade of blue than the other one. I guess the reason that I feel strongly about this is I vividly know what the girl that I had a crush on all throughout like middle and high school what her eyes look like but that's also even to this day this is 10 and 12 years later something like that but also when you are younger you have experienced you've witnessed love through such like a narrow lens of like Romeo and fucking Juliet like you're like I need to write her love letters and like I need to know the color of her eyes even Elton John knows you don't need to know what color they are you just need another beautiful. Those are some beautiful eyes, girl. But I mean, Snape, that's what she is to Snape, though. She is the that eyes. person that he wants to. No, that, that, that she, formative crush. That formative crush. That's who it is. And in yeah. fact, it's a formative it, crush that never returned the, f- the feeling. I think the word formative is a gross understatement. <laughs> I actually want to know has Snape ever done anything in his life? Sexual? Other than pursue. No, not even sexually. Just like, has he ever done anything besides. Pursue Lily in one way or another. Well, he joined a white supremacist movement or a, an, an analogy to a white supremacist movement. For like a split second before he came back because of her. Only. Oh my god, is Snape a virgin? Oh, Snape is definitely a virgin. He's not the kind of fuck you bad guy who has like hate sex. I don't know. Like, that hair dude. I, he's a crier. He, he's a crier. He has long fingernails. Yeah. Don't put those See, anywhere near. Here's my the thing vagina. though. Here's the thing though. I feel like Bellatrix and her husband are the types of people who like bring a third in sometimes. Bellatrix's standards are much higher than that. Are they though? I whatever. If I was Bellatrix, it would be I'm just saying only. I feel like that's the one chance I can think of for him to have banged anybody. I, I think it, it I acknowledge that that could happen, but I think that that 
it's not very likely. I, I, think, I, I think. What if she has Snape like a might... cuckold thing? What if she and her husband have like a cuckold thing? I don't think. I don't think Snape would be. I don't fuck his wife while he watches a masturbate. I don't think Snape would be into that though. I think Bellatrix hates Snape. I think when in book six, when she has that scene with him regarding the unbreakable curse, I think it's really evident that she fucking hates. That You've guy. never fucked anyone that you now hate. Huh. Mmm. How about that? I'm just saying it's possible. Huh. Anyway, he's definitely an incel. Okay, moving on. <laughs> we did get a little bit off topic there, but... No, it was beautiful. I mean, we got plenty of time. Uh, so what comes next? We get the most grandfatherly of the grandfatherly Dumbledores at this point. Oh my god. Had got Albus Dumbledore had gotten to his feet. He was beaming at the students, his arms open wide as if nothing could have pleased him more than to see them all there. Welcome, he said. Welcome to a new year at Hogwarts. Before we begin our banquet, I would like to say a few words. And here they are. Nitwit, Blubber, Oddment, Tweak. Thank you. <laughs> He's the best. Real, it is a really strong introduction. Yeah. Uh, that Literally, that's the grandfather that when he sits down, you want to like go and sit on his nap and just like snuggle up and like, I love you, Grandpa. Like, yeah. That He's is, bony. I don't care. Not That's, mm, that, that I is. I feel like he still gives good hugs, though. Yes. I feel like he's wiry under those robes. Uh, he's the kind of person who like is fully present for a hug. Yes. You know? Like I, the only thing I'm doing right now is like hugging you. Mm-hmm. Don't hug me, Dumbledore. <laughs> hug me, Dumbledore. Social distancing. <laughs> I don't care. Like what? What do you think that if there were wizards right now, they would have? a magical vaccine or cure to coronavirus that they were withholding from muggles. I mean, they kind of have a cure for the common cold. But that's not I mean, it's not the common cold, but like it's, it's like flu-like. It's got flu-like symptoms. It's not like the um, plague. Is it the the pepper-up potion? Yeah, the pepper-up potion is basically the cure for the common cold. Okay, but but like, do you think if something was like sweeping through the world, like a pandemic, this is the world we live in, and it was like killing a shit ton of people, and they had fucking pepper up times two potion to cure COVID-19. Do you think they would actively withhold it and watch the muggles yes. die? Yes. Absolutely. Because the Spanish flu of 1919 happened. You think that, did you, so you think they had a cure for that too? You think they had a cure for like the black plague? I feel I, like they could have helped. Well, I think the problem with wizards in this, in this world is that they are so attached to doing magic things, a magical way that I think they would have a cure for it, but I think it would be a spell. And I think that the cost of letting muggles know about that spell and therefore know that everything exists is not something they're willing to do. I feel like they would like find ways to distribute uh, a treatment like subtly if it was at all possible like like I feel like a lot of medieval wise women were probably like legit witches like just drink this potion and like you could call it a potion back then nowadays it's probably a little more difficult but if they can find a way to like get health measures to their neighbors maybe they try to do that (laughs) as a whole the the wizarding world in this universe would be more like Lord Farquaad that meme that everyone's seen at least once this week a few of you may die but that's the sacrifice I'm willing to make. Like, sorry, you can't know we're there. Like, yeah, you're going to die, but... Eh? Like, you could have been a wizard, so fuck you. Wow. <laughs> um, how do we get out of this? 
You brought Dumbledore. Up Dumbledore. 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 It was well, hugging Dumbledore. That's how we got onto this. You know, hugging Dumbledore. It's a euphemism for masturbating. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm totally going to use from now on. Um, then they eat. Yes. Oh my god, the feast. Dude, oh. every Hogwarts feast. It's like Game of Thrones when every meal is like six pages of shit just swimming in butter. Like, every Hogwarts feast, I want all of it. They don't have trenchers at Hogwarts, though. They do, they do not have trenchers. They have actual plates, so it's even better. <laughs> and peppermint humbugs for some reason. Yeah, what is, what is that? Is that just like a fucking York penny? I feel like I looked them up a long time ago, and it's like a peppermint around a caramel? Huh. Which sounds weird, but good. Huh. All that I can say is I am never going to describe a meal that I have a feast unless there are two different types of chops. Lamb <laughs> chops and pork chops. Yeah. That whew. opulence. Yes, that is the one percent right there. Honestly, it is kind of surprising that Harry doesn't get fat because he really has been I mean, he says like the Dursleys never exactly starved him, but he certainly never He's got, lucky he lives in the tallest tower the second tallest tower he does his walk-in oh yeah he yeah. gets his steps in yeah <laughs> plus he's a jock yeah he is a jock but one that sits down the whole time which is really yeah. the dream right yeah do, do quidditch players have like exercises like stretches or anything like are they athlete athletes? They, they would have to be athlete athletes for sure because one of so you ever notice how you get really tired when you're on an airplane no no. Yes. If you take a long plane, a long car ride will also do it. Part of that is going to be the road, but uh, if you're just riding in the car, you're constantly making micro adjustments as you sit. That's why when you sleep, you're much more likely to just fall over than someone who's not. Yeah, you're not paying attention, but also you're not constantly adjusting the way you're sitting. If you st- if you're used to doing that at very high speeds, you're going to have very strong. You're, you're just going to be a strong person. Your core is going to be very taut. You're gonna be. Uh, I think so. Most, Harry Potter has an eight pack. Harry Potter is shredded. Well, you could still be fat, but it, Harry Potter definitely uh, has very. Um, he, he's a very solid person, probably. Okay. I think it's wiry probably, but solid. I think it's probably akin to riding a horse. The way that you have to be able to stabilize your core, okay. even yeah. when okay. your body parts have to be able to do different things at the same time. You that figure makes sense. like banking. Also, oh, I totally don't get tired. After being in the plane or being... I get very sleepy. Like, I don't get physically tired, but, like, I get very sleepy. Part of it's recycled air, but another part of it... Like, being a passenger on a, on a long car ride. Mm. You get really, really tired. It's, it's just... Like, the room. sun's coming. It's like the it's like when they go to Hogwarts in the Fort Anglian. Like, it's sunny, and they're both kind of dozy. And, I mean, I, I, relate. I relate. I fall asleep in the car when I'm driving, and it's a nightmare. That's not good. That's not a good thing. I drink so much coffee, and I keep... Caffeine gum in my car. We call it car calypsy. I inherited it from my dad. All my terrible sleep habits I inherited from my dad. We both get um we both get sleep paralysis too. Really? Oh yeah. Hey, do you have the kind where you like hallucinate and stuff? The witch at the end of the bed or whatever they call yeah. it. Yeah. No. Mine no. Mine is full lucid terror. Okay. It's a nightmare. Anyway, thanks, Dad. Love you. <laughs> well, getting back to it, one thing that I found really interesting, uh is it just shows what separates Gryffindors from a lot of the other, uh, you know, houses is the conversation that it comes in on is after they've met each other. And also this perfectly summarizes the, the thought process of like little boys. It They've had enough time that they know each other. They know their names. They know the basic background. And then what do they start just talking about? Their freaking blood status. Just like, 
yeah, I'm half and half. What about you? Oh, I'm pure blood. What about you? Like, can you just imagine how weird that would have to be? Because I can't imagine it's something that normal people just talk about when they're meeting people in the it wizarding probably, world. It must have started with a, a muggle-born being like, dude, what the fuck like, even is this? Is like, this? I didn't even, my parents are both muggles, dude. And and someone like fucking Ron is like, oh my God, really? Your parents are both fucking muggles? <laughs> What's that like? And then kids just have no concept of what is weird I to mean, talk about. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like, I mean, you know, obviously we live in the States, like, everyone's got kind of like a long weird family history it's not like if you live in france it's like well my parents were born in france and my grandparents were born in france and my great-grandparents were born in france and i think i have one great-great-grandparent who was born in spain like and they're weird and we don't talk about them yeah like with us it's like well i think i'm one-eighth austrian and a quarter irish oh my god when my dad sent me his ancestry dna whatever Mm -hmm. i was like dude white bean soup i get it like yeah. you really don't you don't need to give me the breakdown like yeah. i get it but like at the same I should time wear sunscreen. Got, right like at the same time though you've got like that those, those are different stories like how your irish family came over like the circumstances are going to be a little different from your austrian family like it's it's just different situations so i can totally see with these kids being like well here's where i'm coming from well here's where i'm coming from i feel like at the slytherin table it's probably definitely a blood status conversation oh um, where are we go next? Uh, how about Neville's horribly traumatic story of I how he know. came to learn Yo. that he did, in fact, and he wasn't a squib? Child oh, abuse. Holy Just hang me shit. out the window. We got real mad also, at Michael Jackson for doing that. Yeah, and like, honestly, something that, you know, knowing what we know about Neville now, about his parents, like, he finessed his way out of not talking about his parents. He did a really good oh, job. Yeah. I, I would yeah. imagine that's the reason we got so much of a detail on Uncle Algie. Yeah. Algie or Algie? How do y'all pronounce Algie. it in your head? I, I would have said Algie, but like, yeah, it's... Okay, British people pronounce Algie, like C-Algie, Algie. And I know that thanks to you, David Attenborough. I love you. <laughs> but, um, definitely um, Neville's parents is something... I mean, this happens in literally four books from now, but like, I, I know... That you, there, I know that there was no way you could like fit everything into the movies, but it just... Like, it's such a disservice it, to his character. It's such a disservice to his character. It really, it really adds so much. It to drives him. so much home. It makes you hate Bellatrix so much, oh, even yeah. before she fucking kills and she, Sirius. She like invokes it too. Yeah. She brings it up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, what a cunt, dude. She's the worst. But like, I love her. Well, g- getting back to like the, a more pleasant topic. So one thing that I've always thought when uh, reading this, ever since the first time I read it. Um, is the part where he says they thought I might not be magic enough to come. That implies that at least in my mind, the way that I read it is not come as in come to a magical school, but to come to this school. Because I know that this has kind of been knocked out since uh, you know since I first read this, but I always thought that meant like Hogwarts is the school. Like that is the magical. They say it's the best wizarding school. But the, but saying that it's the best school implies that there are other schools. Exactly. So I've always wondered about that. Yeah, if they're Harvard, there's gotta be like an Arizona state. Yeah. I mean Hogwarts is probably expensive. It probably is. I mean it's kind of a prep school, isn't it? Yeah. I know that there's some, like, other countries where that's, like, kind of the only way you go to school. I think that is, like, the norm for, like, British wizards, probably. But, again, like, they say they say it's the best school of wizardry, so there's got to be alternatives, Who? at least one. Who well, is they? 
Isn't it Hagrid? I think uh, Hermione says it. Yeah, there's multiple people that make references to Hogwarts being the best. And at one point, it is referenced that uh, Lucius almost sent Draco Durmstrang. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, I guess if you have apparition and port keys, then that's not really a huge barrier that that far of a distance but yeah where are these school zones drawn like how does the districting work <laughs> can you be recruited by multiple magical schools can you get a letter from hogwarts and from Bobaton? do they get oh, recruited damn. or do you have to bribe your way in like a fucking high school private school you know what i mean i think i think it's kind of like that i mean these are all like it's a small insular community with a lot of like old blood like turns me- out that's the reason that dumbledore actually first put harry on his aunt and uncle's steps is because he didn't want the other magical schools to find him. <laughs> so he had to, he knew exactly what that motherfucker was. I don't want that was. Scene. Get He's your getting, hands <laughs> My madam, you That's didn't get him. We got Potter. <laughs> Aw, but that would have made it. Honestly, people trying to vie for him in that way would have really overwhelmed him at this point. Oh yeah, no, he would not have been okay. Just like <laughs> melts into the wall. But I think it is. I think it's also kind of like you know old colleges where it's like if your whole family has gone there for generations, like of course you're gonna go there. And I feel like that's the Potters. Like the Potters, every Potter for at least twenty generations has probably gone to, to Hogwarts. Yeah, I'd be interested in learning more about the Potters before James. Because yeah. he, you know, no offense, he didn't do that much. He he became an animagus really young and yeah. presumably was a pretty good dad uh, for like 10 do minutes. Do we know that? I mean, like, he, was, he was very young when Harry was well, like, born. The, I mean, yeah, but like the one moment that we see of like him and Harry, he's like blowing little like smoke clouds. Oh, it's like he's spending yeah. time with his infant son. And the, the toy The toy broom. broom yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> Or went out with James Potter. Uh, the best dad. <laughs> God, like thinking about how young Lily and James were also, like they were they were younger than us. Like, oh, they were young. way like, dead by the time like, they were our age. Yeah, they were like 20, 21. Another part that I love about Dumbledore as a character is we get to the time for the the school song. Yes. After the feast, everyone's bellies are full, and it's time it's time to teachers. sing the school song. And you can tell that it's coming exactly. Because how does it say, um, Harry noticed that the other teacher's smiles had become rather fixed. Right, they know what's going to come. And then Dumbledore just fuels the fire. Dumbledore? Everyone, pick their favorite tune. Okay, He's let's such go. a chaos grandpa. Let's go, let's go. One, two, three. Hogwarts, 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 We'll do the rest and learn until our brains all rot. So that times like two hundred. <laughs> Haley's really one year. Haley dressed up for Halloween as Steve from Blues Clues, and I feel like you were really embodying that while you were singing. <laughs> Thank you. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Here's the mail that never fails and makes me. Okay, wanna, I'm done. So then, 
literally this is probably my favorite visual from the entire Harry Potter series. I cite this regularly. At last, only the Weasley twins were left singing along to a very slow funeral march. I also love what comes immediately after that, which is Dumbledore conducted their last few lines with his wand, and when they had finished, he was one of those who clapped loudest. He used a prop, and he genuinely was pleased. <laughs> He's just... Because yes! engaging! So I, I'm pretty sure that I have seen the chaotic good level of like person that Dumbledore is at multiple fish shows. I think I have definitely... <laughs> Seen someone who would do that to a like to the body of students and then tell them, ah, oh, music, a magic beyond all we do here. Like, I've, I've met that dude. He was really cool. And he spaced out a few times during the conversation, but really cool. Okay. Also, Dumbledore quietly weeping. Yes. It's so beautiful. <laughs> so then, um, bedtime, off you trot. Percy the Prefect leading the way. Is there, I I have a question after the fifth book. Is there like a female prefect with Percy that we're just not hearing about here? Because when Ron and Hermione become prefects, they're like Hermione's the one taking the lead in like in leading the first years up. I don't know if Penelope Clearwater is she's a, a Ravenclaw. She's, she's a Ravenclaw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there is one that we just don't know or care about yeah. yet. Harry's just fixated on Percy because he's just every ginger is safe. Penelope Clearwater. Ooh, Percy, Penelope. Starts making, Percy starts making out way before our heroes are ready to make mm. out. It gets Does sexy. he? He's the older Yeah, brother. no, he makes out. He makes out. There's like a whole yeah. thing about oh, really? it. Yeah, no, like book two, it's everyone's like, what the fuck is up uh, with Percy? Yeah. Like he, oh. He's been really distant and weird and finally at the end of it they find out like, oh. oh wait, is she it, gets petrified. Oh my god, yeah. isn't it that Ginny like has some secret she's keeping in? It's like, yes. it's not that she opened the Chamber of Secrets, it's that Percy makes out with Penelope Clearwater. <laughs> right? I... It's something I like think that. She like I walked think, in on them. I think Percy thinks that the secret she's keeping <laughs> oh, yes. is that he's making yes. out with Penelope Clearwater, oh my God. and I'm like so per- the time Percy almost destroyed the world without knowing it. Oh my God, I love it. I love it so much. Okay, I'm really excited to get there. Anyway, walk, walk, walk. We meet Peeves. What are y'all's opinions character. on Peeves? Okay, good. I mean, I love him. I fucking love Peeves. Like, he's good shenanigans. He definitely gets in the way every once in a while. Yeah, but that's good for the pacing. It's good for the pacing. Peeves for pacing. Yes. I, I feel like by the time that I was like a third or fourth year, like I, I think, you know, I've got I've got this Hogwarts thing under my belt. I kind of even also we did not address this. Why in the hell when you're going to your own tower, do you have to like go through sliding doorways that are hidden behind portraits. It's probably like, just faster Oh, than the main That's possible. Route. No, because I can see Percy being like trying to show off that he knows all the shortcuts. I guess, yeah, because I could see that, but I also could see him being like, no, we are taking the official way back. This is the the way we're going to take the grand staircase. I think both of those things are equally likely. Yeah, I, like I said, I could see both of those. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think probably it's the fastest path. Um... Or, I mean, yo, I'm thinking, like, purely in traffic terms right now. Like, maybe the main exit is clogged with students trying to get to other fucking places. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. yeah there's a lot of he's all about efficiency. That is true. He's all about efficiency. Maybe he thought he was trying to avoid peeves by taking this route. Yeah. But you can never avoid Poor peeves. fucker. Maybe it's where I was going with that earlier, though, is um, <laughs> I think that by, like, third or fourth year, I would, I would dig peeves. 
Like he can be annoying, but I think I would try and like shoot the shit right back at him. That that he has no authority really. He's just he's just there. I would have been. I would, I would have shot the. I would have shot the shit the same way that the twins do. Exactly. That's what I think I'm trying to say is pass him in the hallway doing some fuckboy shit. Just be like, "Sup, buddy? How you doing today?" Like he's not gonna. Like every time you walk around, (laughs) they'll still fuck with you, but you'll feel like you're in on it. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god! How amazing would it be if there was an American Muggleborn that went to Hogwarts? Just that like, has been the subject of many a fan fiction. Let me tell you. I'm sure, but none and of them expose the things that would be that would really be shocking to them. Which is just how American us Americans are sometimes. Yeah. No, like because I mean, especially if you're an American Muggleborn, you're used to American public school, and then you come to this like trove of chaos that just has like a demon floating around, like fucking with the students to keep them on their toes, and it's considered <laughs> an educational experience. That would be a huge culture shock. Oh yeah. We're used to like not like don't make eye contact, raise your hand and keep it in the air for as long as it takes for the teacher to call on you to let you go take a fucking piss. Like I didn't like public school. Freedom. <laughs> Freedom. <laughs> anyway, we're at the end of the chapter. He goes to sleep on a comfy bed and uh, then has you, this wild ass dream. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And I, the biggest piece of foreshadowing. I almost feel like she wrote this after she talked about the turban. She was like. I know why that's there. I'm gonna fuck with them. Like this seems so. It's just, so straightforward. It's so straightforward, it's but not at all. It, it's been feeding us here, eight-year-old reader. Yeah. At first, like if it's your first time reading, there's no way in hell you're gonna guess that it's because the turban is important. You're just gonna think that I, I don't it's know. It's a hat. It's just a hat, but and it's it a really like, crazy hat. Of course, you would think of the crazy hat. <laughs> We call Professor Quirrell Professor Crazy Head. It's just stuff from the day appearing in your dream. Like, this did not make Quirrell being the bad guy, like, less of a surprise to me. Granted, I was eight and stupid, but still. Well, and how interesting is the 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 turban is telling him to switch to Slytherin. Yeah. That's that, the Horcrux pulling at him. Well, I was I was kind of thinking while I was rereading it, and like I I kind of came to the conclusion as I thought it that like this probably isn't the case, but I was wondering like is this a legitimacy thing? Uh, like Voldemort, would, I I don't think it is because I think that Voldemort like would be more direct about it, and this has like a very weird. But he's so dream. weak. Maybe he's just like think of me. Yeah. <laughs> the only reason I don't think it's a Horcrux thing is because if there was something about the Horcrux, remember the only Horcrux that's there right now is Harry. He's He's got the Horcrux in his head, but like, Quirrell doesn't have a Horcrux. He has the actual like source code. So if anything, it might be Voldemort calling out to his Horcrux. Hmm. It's like Sauron calling the ring to him. Oh. Yeah. Do you guys remember your dreams? Very rarely. I've been trying to make myself remember them more. Interesting. But... And there was a period where I kept a dream journal that I got pretty good at it. And most of them were like weird and kind of fantasy-ish. Yeah. Um, the only dreams that I ever consistently remember are whenever I, whenever I'm especially stressed just with life stuff, at some point in the process, I have a, some kind of a zombie apocalypse dream. Oh, yeah. They're always different. You've definitely told me. Yeah, they're always like a different type of zombie apocalypse, but I always like remember. And it's always like, I've been stressed all week. This isn't helpful. I know already. But they always kind of happen. But I am trying to teach myself how to lucid dream, and apparently the first step to that is learning to remember your dreams. Yeah. They say keeping a dream journal will help. I don't really remember my dreams, except for like once a year, for like maybe like two or three weeks. I have vivid dreams every single night. And I I just got over 
my one from like this year. It ended like a week or two ago where I was having really vivid dreams every single night for a long time. It's like emotionally taxing. Hmm. Anyway. Oh crap. How do, we, how do we organically wrap this up? What were they about? No, I so don't, just I don't. like you don't remember your dreams, Harry remember. didn't remember his when he woke up the next hey. day. And that is the end of the chapter. That's the end of the chapter. Yeah. So next. Okay. Here's the thing. To everyone out there. I hope you are okay. And I hope you are holding on, all six of you. I hope that you're not too stressed. And I hope that we have diverted your attentions for a brief moment with complete nonsense. We love you, listeners. Well, and say, I love you to the listeners. I love love you, you listeners. listeners. She's holding a gun to her head. She would tell her that. She said she would hurt us if we told her that. <laughs> should we uh, go ahead and give them maybe something to distract themselves with, uh, with our shout outs? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Go ahead. So I've been looking forward to this. Usually I figure out what my shout out is going to be literally like as it's going around the circle. Mm. But I saw something recently that was so good and it, it definitely, it hit me on so many levels. Uh, Ken Burns' documentary on Vietnam. It's on Netflix. It's probably been recommended to you because it, it literally was just poking me in the face the whole time until I finally clicked on it and watched <laughs> it. It is super long. It is amazing. It is so well done. Well, uh, kind of on the opposite end of that, if you are someone who uh, is in a bad headspace and can't handle uh, a full documentary on the horrors of Vietnam, I'm going to recommend um, Gallivant. Uh, it's a musical comedy uh, fantasy series. I think it should still be on Netflix. It's two seasons. Um, and it's like a satire. The music is by Alan Menken, who you may know from like every Disney Renaissance film. He's the dude who did the music and the lyrics. Um, I think the lyrics, definitely the music. Uh, so like basically imagine if the Disney songwriters were allowed to cuss so and like did a medieval fantasy romp. It's absolutely delightful all of the songs are great and they all land really well the characters are a lot of fun nothing happens the way you expect it to and like not in a way that you're upset about so highly highly recommend gallivant um i'm gonna plug the book that i'm reading right now it's called courting mr lincoln yes that lincoln it was written by Lewis Byard, who was my dad's high school English teacher, and now he's a famous writer. And I've read some of his other books, and they're all really incredible. And his most recent one is Courting Mr. Lincoln. It just came out in paperback um, in the past couple weeks. So, And it's about President Lincoln, sort of, thus far it's all before his presidency, and it's about a dude that was very important to him named Joshua Speed and it's about their relationship. It's a delight to read. It reads like a Jane Austen novel with that Victorian like sharp-tongued wit. Like I fucking love it, dude. The those were only three plugs. Yep. It's sad here. We're done. The skeleton crew. Yep. Actually, can can I give out one more plug then? Do we want to do a second dose? I mean, even if we both if we all do uh two, it's still less than our normal amount of I plugs. I can I can plug another. Yeah, thing. I can plug something else. All right. Uh one of my all-time favorite podcasts, uh, uh, it's called Citation Needed. And the premise of the podcast is that each week one of them reads a Wikipedia article and then pretends they're an expert because this is the internet and that's how it works now. So it's just uh, 
I think it's five guys that are very, very funny talking about the most ridiculous topics you ever heard and hysterical. So if you need something to uh, really, you know, Distract uplift you, you this uh, in this quarantine time, then I would recommend uh, Citation Needed. Um, if you are at home and having to cook for yourself for the first time, possibly, uh, <laughs> and you're not great at it, oh I'm going God. to recommend um, Binging with Babish on YouTube. Uh, he's been around for a while. He's gotten really popular. Um, basically, his whole shtick is he'll take um, recipes from TV and movies and recreate them. Sometimes the results are predictably terrible. Sometimes they're supposed to be good and they aren't good and he tries to make them good. And sometimes they are supposed to be good and they are really good. Um, eventually, when he was putting these videos out, he realized that a lot of the people following along with him didn't have basic cooking skills. So he started a similar channel called Basics with Babish, where he teaches you like basic shit, just how to make pasta, how to make bread, how to roast a chicken, like really simple stuff. I was already pretty good at cooking and I've learned a lot from watching these things. So like if you've just got a freezer full of stuff that you don't know what to do with and you don't want it to go bad mm -hmm. while you're sitting at home, I would highly recommend uh, checking that out. Okay, I'm gonna plug Virtual Happy Hour. If you're local to Richmond or if you love Richmond or if you've never heard of Richmond and you just like helping people, um, the Holly Fund, H-O-L-L-I, is hosting a Virtual Happy Hour this Friday um, where you can drink your own drinks that you paid for at home and um, send tips, basically the equivalent of happy hour tips to um, bartenders and waitstaff that are out of work during this um, period of self-isolation. So that's the Holly Fund, H-O-L-L-I, to help out some waitstaff in need. They're all really fucked right now, so we just gotta be helping each other out. Shit's getting real rough, so so that's there. So I will be at home drinking by myself, texting money to people that I don't know. And we're all in this together, and we're gonna make it through this. Yeah. We're all in this together, and we'd love to take a bath. <laughs> Any last words? Nope. Here's your last words. Nitwit, Blubber, Oddment, and Tweak. Get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> Wait, don't leave me. I've been so lonely <laughs> The Restricted Section was created and hosted by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. All music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Technical support from Sean Watson. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at restrictedsectionpod or shoot us an email at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts, feelings, complaints, conspiracy theories, or lavish praise. We're not doing both songs. I'll, I'll do the song. I'll, I'll do the uh, Sorting Hat song. Do it. Do it. I might put it at the end. Oh, you may not think I'm pretty, but don't judge on what you see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your bowlers black, your top hat sleek and tall. For I'm the Hogwarts sorting hat, and I cap them all. There's nothing hidden in your head the sorting hat can't see. So try me on and I will tell you where you ought to be. You're not going to do the whole thing, are you? No, no. no you have to. I'm going to put it at the end. It's going to be so okay, funny. fine.
You might belong in Gryffindor, where dwell the brave at heart. Their daring nerve and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. You might belong in Hufflepuff, where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Or yet, wise old Ravenclaw, if you're ready, mind. Though, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. Or perhaps in Slytherin you'll make your real friends. Those cunning folks use any means to achieve their ends. <laughs> so put me on, don't be afraid and don't get in a flap. You're in safe hands, though I have none, for I'm a thinking cap. The whole hall burst into applause. <laughs> that was beautiful, Andrew. That was incredible. I don't know where that came from, but it was just in me.